Brooklyn's Radio brings you City Update with Ian Pritchard and Lee Humphreys. Hello, it's another sunny lockdown day with me here in Woking and Lee joined us on the phone from his home in Cobham. Hello Lee. Hi Ian. Now, last week you highlighted the fact the share markets were looking up somewhat. Has that continued? Because we've heard a lot about oil. Uh, we certainly have. You're absolutely right. Last week, we, I think when we spoke, we talked about the FTSE. The, almost the last thing I said, the FTSE was up uh, uh, 3%. That was the, uh, uh, the second uh, st- second strong week in a, in a row. And a very salutary lesson for us all. Don't stand in the way of central banks determined to prop up asset prices in. Um, but then Monday uh, arrived. Um, uh, we'd been talking actually about the uh, the possibility of negative oil prices a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? We talked about the Canadian variety of oil that was trading around $4, um, which was less than a pint of beer. And we, uh, we joked about the actual barrel itself uh, being worth more than the product inside it. Well, that sort of happened. Um, we had some unprecedented events on, uh, on Monday. Oil collapsed to close at, get this, a negative $37.63 a barrel. That's the first time uh, in its history uh, that people were actually paying others to take the stuff away. Specifically, the collapse was in uh, a uh, WTI, that stands for a West Texas Intermediate Futures Contract. Right. Now, I've read about futures contracts. What are they? Well, essentially, uh, all it is in is a buyer and seller agreeing a price today for delivery of a commodity often, um, in this case, WTI oil, at some point in the future. Now, um, uh, events leading to this collapse in price were almost unique. Um, This all happened one day ahead of the expiration of the May WTI contract. Once that contract expires, it can't be bought or sold um, by anyone at all. Therefore, whoever holds that contract when it expires is obliged to take physical delivery of the oil. So whether they want it or not, and the problem here is there's nowhere to put it. Right, exactly. Um, WTI is actually specific to the U.S. uh, and its main storage facility is in Cushing in Oklahoma. It holds about 76 million barrels um, right now, which is totally full. America has no spare capacity whatsoever. So um, we've got sort of a reverse pass the parcel situation going on here, Ian. Um, No one wanted to be holding this particular contract when it expired on Monday uh, and therefore take delivery of the oil uh, because there was no space in which to store this stuff anywhere. Uh, So the price of 37.63 negative uh, reflects how unattractive holding this particular contract was at expiration. Well, I, I guess I know the answer to this question, but why was there no space? Why were the tanks full? Well, the, the oil market is utterly unbalanced in. Um, demand and supply are, are right now are just way apart. I'm going, to start, I'm going to illustrate this by just using round figures. So demand effectively has disappeared by 30 million barrels a day. Now, go back to January uh, this year. Um, worldwide demand was around about 100 million barrels a day. Now, that's dropped 30%. So it stands four months later around the 70 million barrel per day figure. That's all due to one thing, one thing only, coronavirus. Now, didn't OPEC and the Russians try and sort this out by agreeing to cut oil production? 
Uh, yeah, uh, OPEC tried to deal with this, um, and they made an agreement with uh, with the Russians a fortnight ago, ago and that was uh, to much fanfare as well. And they cut 10 million barrels a day, but you know that just doesn't really touch the sides. Um, it still leaves an oversupply of around about 20 million barrels a day. And what's more, actually, is these cuts don't start until the 1st of May. That's this time next week. So, you know, if we if we were to look at the Russians, who are about the number two uh, producer in the world, they produce around about 10 million barrels a day, and the number three producer in the world, the Saudis, they also produce around about 10 million barrels a day. If they stop production right now, and let's face it, they're not going to be doing that, um, then demand would match supply perfectly. Even then, though, even then. Storage levels, like the one that we've just talked about at Cushing, wouldn't fall. So you can, you can see the problem. Um, we've got companies are now storing oil in super tankers bobbing around on the sea. Um, and interestingly here is the rate um, for which uh, for these actual super tankers have increased from around thirty to $40,000 a day um, in February uh, this year to $180,000 today. That's a five-fold increase. Right. Well, these uh, futures contracts, they come up around about every month, don't they? So what's going to happen when the next one expires? Are we going to see it happen again? Yeah, I mean, why not? Um, we, have a, we have the June expiry in under a month. Um, unless more storage comes on stream or the economy significantly picks up in the next month, and let's be honest here, both those things are, are very unlikely. The same may well happen. Look, to, to, here's a good example. To, to illustrate the demand issue in the UK, just look at your local garage forecourt. Petrol demand has fallen 80% in the last month during lockdown. So the, the best investment uh, you may have made this month, Ian, was not to uh, fill your car up uh, with petrol. Diesel sales actually have held up a little bit better than that. Right, so with wholesale petrol prices uh, falling, are we going to see cheap petrol on the forecourts? I think it's I think it's un, it's unlikely to get much cheaper than it is right now. We actually talked about this uh, several weeks ago. Um, uh, the UK uh, has uh, 70 to, 72 pence worth of duty on each. Um, litre of oil, and uh, heaven knows uh, the government need uh, every uh, tax penny they can get right now. Garages still have their business rates and staff and other fixed costs um, as well, of course. Um, So, as I say, it's unlikely that we're going to get prices much lower than they are right now. Coincidentally, however, the UK surpassed on Monday its all-time peak solar generation record. So the fundamentals for oil aren't looking great long-term. And uh, how about outside the UK? I mean, a lot of countries rely on oil completely. Oh, yeah, absolutely completely. That's exactly right. I mean, these falls in prices have big implications um, uh, for for foreign governments in order to sort of buy off dissent in the old sort of oil-producing world. If you look at the likes of Iran and Algeria right now, they're really dipping into their reserves uh, and uh, running up huge budget deficits. uh, Fuel actually accounts for 98.5% of Iraq's export earnings. Now, uh, it's, it's, while it's not going to help those guys, it will probably help the likes of India and China. Prior to the virus, China accounted for around about 20% of all, all imports and uh, is reportedly stockpiling right now. So, um, no one can do anything then to help lift prices. That's it. Well, 
funnily enough, support came uh, sort of midweek from a very unlikely union. Now, the U.S. Um, is the number one oil producer. Its, it's uh, transformation into that uh, position has been rapid, um, uh, but and and now needs high oil prices. Um, so uh, Trump had been talking about actually paying companies to keep oil in the ground last week. Not maybe the uh, his best idea. Um, uh, but what do you need uh, to uh, to do to to lift prices in the uh, short term? Well, I tell you what, the prospect of a good old-fashioned war in the Middle East does just the trick. And as luck would have it. We've got to pretend one happening right now. So out of, out of seemingly nowhere on Wednesday, Trump tweeted uh, that he'd instructed the Navy to shoot down and destroy Iranian gunboats if they harass their ships. Uh, yesterday we had uh, the uh, Iran's revolutionary Guard saying they had instructed their navy to destroy any vessels. Blah 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 blah. Hey presto, we've got a jump in crude oil of 33%. Now look, it's great to see Trump and the Iranians working in perfect harmony together. But as I look at it right now, crude is still trading below $17. So um, what we what we need to probably throw into the uh, mix is uh, is the uh, apparently ailing Kim Jong Un, uh, and we might get prices uh, above $20 again. Well, I'm sure that last uh, few answer, that last answer of yours was done <clears throat> very tongue in cheek. But uh, as as uh, consumers, we want low energy prices, don't we? Right. Yeah, yeah. As a rule, you're absolutely right. In yeah, we we do. Unless, of course, you you know you work for an energy company. Um, airlines, as a rule, benefit from the uh, from the weakness in crude prices. Although that industry, unfortunately, is starting to look broken. Virgin Australia um, went into voluntary administration on Monday this week. They didn't get a, a bailout uh, loan from uh, the Australian government. Incidentally, um, Virgin Australia has uh, uh, gone through seven years of consecutive annual losses. Um, the, the, in the week of April the 12th, um, we saw a 94% year-on-year decline for year travel. Demand for flights within China, for example, uh, are just at 45% of the pre-coronavirus levels. I saw that uh, Sir Richard Branson is attempting to raise money against Necker Island. Do you think he'll receive a great deal of sympathy for that? <laughs> no, uh, some might react with a little Schadenfreude therein. Uh, but actually, it got, me, it got me thinking that in a lockdown world, what's working business-wise and, what right, and what's not? You know, right now, it seems to me, uh, uh, you should be asking, does your business model look, uh, work effectively from home? Zoom? Yes. Airlines? No. Right. Well, that's the big boys. But small and medium businesses are vital to the UK economy and employ over half the working population. Uh, so to find out what was happening in our area, we've heard from the CEO of Surrey Chambers of Commerce, Louise Punter. And Louise says they've commissioned a survey and so far have had 300 responses in which half of them say they face closure within the next three to six months. And over 200 say they've laid off or furloughed staff. So it's not a pretty picture. Is it reflected in the markets? Um, yeah, that's a, yeah it's, it is reflected in the market. In fact, it's, it's, it's no better highlighted um, uh, in the stock markets than if we look at sort of shares of <coughs> high street retailers and compare those to the online ones. Um, you know, overall, if, if we look at the markets overall right now, in, you know, we can look at uh, Europe and see that it's down roughly 25% year to date. However, this conceals some huge differentials. You know, the clicks, by which I mean the online guys, uh, are still performing well in this 
environment where the, the the bricks, the traditional high street retailers, really are not. You know, just stuff that I've seen this week, just headlines that I've seen. Um, uh, Sir Philip Green's Arcadia Group, that's the owner of Topshop and uh, Miss Selfridge, is serving notice on a hundred of its 550 shops um, by the end of the summer. Kath Kidson said it won't be reopening their 60 UK stores after lockdown. Primark with no online presence. Can you believe that, In um, Has seen its revenues fall from £650 million a month to zero. Even Boots, uh, even though they're the, one of the few shops that are still open on the high street, has seen their sales fall 65% due to the lockdown. Now, the online people are bucking the trend then. They're doing okay. Look, some, so it's interesting here because some of the uh, click, uh, some of the click and brick firms, of one census, are really morphing their models so they come out of this lockdown looking probably completely differently. Um, you know, if you look at Next, for example, um, they've uh, partially restarted their online sales while their high street stores remain closed. Reports are that sales are doing well. John Lewis also um, reported their trading figures on Tuesday, uh, and they warned that sales could fall 35% this year. Now, despite all this, their online sales are looking good. Right. Now, judging by the parcels coming through my door, I guess Amazon's doing okay. Uh, yeah, Amazon shares are up 30% in 2020, but they're not alone in this. Um, Just Eat Takeaway, the online food delivery people, their shares uh, are currently near record highs. Boohoo, the online clothes retailer, uh, had good for full-year numbers on Wednesday, and since then their shares have risen 15%. Netflix, that needs no introduction at all. Their, stocks, their stock is up over 33% year-to-date. And Snapchat, that was up 27% on Wednesday alone after reporting their financial figures. What do they all have in common? They all operate with the click of a mouse. So while the economic data remains almost universally bleak worldwide in and actually in in particular in the US uh, where we've actually seen huge unemployment claims in the past five weeks which have wiped out within that period of time all the employment gains since 2009. Some who've adapted to the new business climate and managing to prosper. Thank you very much, Lee, and we'll see you next week. Look forward to it. Ian Pritchard and Lee Humphries brought you City Update on Brooklyn's Radio.